Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Mark 10, reading from 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized, uh, I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Claire, thank you very much indeed for reading, and you might like to keep that reading uh, open in front of you or there on the sheet in front of you. We've already heard that she is the longest reigning monarch in British history. And not only has she reigned for so many years, but she has done so with wisdom and diligence and and great dignity. And so it is with great affection that we celebrate Her Majesty's 90th birthday today. In a radio broadcast from Cape Town, South Africa, on her 21st birthday, Princess Elizabeth, as she was then, promised to serve the people of the Commonwealth with these words... I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. God help me to make good my vow, and God bless all of you who are willing to share in it. She also said, I shall be devoted to your service. And it has been that sense of duty and service to the nation that has been a hallmark of Her Majesty's remarkable reign, humbly giving herself in the service of others. Indeed, her readiness to serve has been in sharp contrast to the ruthless dictators that have ruled other nations around the world in the years that she has reigned here. Uh, Pretty desperately, we can think of many who have abused their positions of power and ruled people with an iron fist. So as we celebrate today, we can think of sadness, the sadness of nations like Syria where Bashar al-Assad, the president of Syria, rather than care for his own citizens and serve them, is looking out for his own interests. Indeed, his ruthless rule is a perfect example of the words of Jesus in our Bible passage. Do you see it there right at the bottom of the Bible passage? Verse 42, Jesus said, 
You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. We could easily make a long list of people who have lorded it over those who they have been given authority over, starting with uh, perhaps Stalin and Hitler and Pol Pot and Idi Amin and Saddam Hussein and Gaddafi and Mugabe. You know, those are just the names that come quickly to me. With those names before us, how much more do we give thanks to God for Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II? For while she's not perfect, she has been and continues to be a wonderful example of the very thing that Jesus is speaking of here, one who serves. Listen again to Jesus' words, calling his disciples together. Again, verse 42, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you, said Jesus. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Christian leadership is different. It is to be different to the leadership exercised in the world. Christian leadership is to be marked by servanthood, not lordship. Now, the Queen is head of state, head of the Commonwealth, the fount of justice, head of the armed forces, the defender of the faith, and supreme governor of the Church of England. She's also patron of over 600 organisations and charities. And yet, routinely, Queen Elizabeth II is regarded and referred to it in this country as the country's greatest public servant. She is a sovereign with immense authority in so many ways, yet one who serves. And what is her motivation for this service? Well, listen to what she said in her Christmas message in the year 2000. We had the 2011 Christmas message on the screen. Here's the year 2000. She said, For me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. I, like so many of you, have drawn great comfort in difficult times from Christ's words and example. You see, by her own admission, the Queen follows the example of Jesus Christ, the ultimate sovereign, the King of Kings, who himself serves us. Again, listen to these words of Jesus in verse 45. Having said that we should all be servants if we want to be great, he said, verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to serve. It is, for me, the most, one of the most remarkable things about Jesus Christ. And it is one of the things that makes him unique and that makes Christianity unlike any other religion in the world. This, for me, is one of the most remarkable verses in the entire New Testament when we stop and think about it. Jesus' example of service is out of this world because, first, of who he is. See, in this verse, you see there, Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. It's a title taken from the Old Testament, that part of the Bible written before Jesus came to earth. It comes actually from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, where we meet a figure called the Son of Man. He is the most powerful and almighty ruler in the entire universe. Now, understanding that makes these words quite astonishing, and they tell us much about the king whom our queen points to. This king, Jesus, is the most powerful one in the universe, and yet, verse 45, he did not come to be served, 
but to serve. Try and grasp the magnitude of it. The Lord of all creation says that he has stepped into this world to serve you and me. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is what distinguishes Jesus Christ from all the other religions of the world. 24 years ago, when Caroline and I went on our honeymoon to New Zealand, on the way we stopped off in Singapore. While we were there, we were only there for a day, we went on a tour of the city and one part of the tour took us to a typical temple. Now if you've been to Singapore, then you may well have seen what we saw that day. We saw many different statues and many different gods. And everything in the temple was about human beings serving those gods. People giving gifts to the gods, taking them offerings of fruit and nuts and berries. It was all about ordinary people trying to do enough to please the gods or perhaps appease them. It was about human beings serving the gods. Now, of course, when we make up gods, when we make them in our own image, they are sure to demand things from us because if you and I were God, that's exactly what we do. If I had ultimate power in the universe, I'd get you to serve me all the time, to run around, to meet my every whim, to make me every cup of tea I ever wanted, to serve me. But that's not how it is with Jesus Christ. He, the Son of Man, the most powerful being in the universe, verse 45, came not to be served, but to serve. It was Lord Acton who famously said, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Well, apparently not. Apparently the absolute power in the world is not a corrupt dictator, but a loving servant king. But if that surprises you, then the way this king of kings serves us will amaze you. See, Jesus' example of service is out of this world because secondly, how he serves. Again, verse 45, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve how? by giving his life as a ransom for many. Uh, Apparently on VE Day, Princess Elizabeth and her sister, Princess Margaret, uh, escaped out of the palace and uh, went out into London to celebrate with the commoners. They wandered around anonymously, enjoying the moment along with the rest of the people. Uh, We're told the Queen still likes to get out anonymously. I don't know how she manages it. Well, she puts a disguise on or something, but sometimes she visits a West End show with Prince Philip. Here is Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, we have the, the ultimate royal becoming the ultimate commoner. Isn't that incredible? And this, if that's incredible, what about this? The ultimate royal coming among us to serve us by dying for us, by giving his life for us. Isn't that incredible? Here's how the preacher Glenn Scrivener puts it. From heaven to earth and not just to earth, he became a single cell in Mary's womb and then a wriggling baby on the straw and then a defenceless refugee on the run from Herod and then a builder's labourer and then a penniless preacher, a homeless dissident, a stooping servant. Yet he descends even further to be a victim of cruelty and injustice. And finally, a human sacrifice, dying a God-forsaken death on the cross. Never has anyone so mighty become so meek. Here is our ultimate sovereign, 
the ultimate servant. Incredible. Jesus not only came among us, but he came to serve us by dying on a cross. And what a cruel death it was. He was rejected by men. He was insulted, wrongly accused, sentenced even though innocent, betrayed by a friend, deserted by the rest, humiliated, spat upon, struck repeatedly, beaten, nailed to a cross. He suffered the most excruciating pain. Jesus' example of service is out of this world because of who he is. Because of how he serves, and third, because of why he serves. Our verse, verse 45, tells us the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve by giving his life as a ransom. Ransom's a word we don't use every day, but it's a word that makes the headlines every now and again. The last time that I could think of was back in 2012. A British couple were kidnapped from their yacht by Somali pirates. Remember the names? Paul and Rachel Chandler were spending their retirement sailing the world on their 38-foot yacht when they were captured. The pirates demanded a £4 million ransom, the kind of sum they would receive from oil companies after capturing supertankers. It was a sum far beyond the means of the Chandlers. They didn't have the means to pay. They weren't in any position to raise the money themselves. They were being held captive. They were dependent on others to pay the ransom. And as a result, the Chandlers spent a year in captivity and were only freed after a ransom was paid. And that, says Jesus, is exactly our predicament. We need to be ransomed, not because we've been captured by Somali pirates, but because our lives are captured by sin. We live lives ignoring our God. We live lives contrary to our God's commands. Largely, we live lives for ourselves and not for others. We store up wealth and possessions while others have nothing. As the Queen said in her Christmas Day speech, although we are capable of great acts of kindness, history teaches us that we sometimes need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness and our greed. We may not be as wicked as the rural dictators. No, you're not as wicked as the cruel dictators in this world. But the problem is we are nothing like Jesus. Now we don't lay down our lives for others. We misuse any power and authority we have. We don't have much of it, but what we do have, we misuse it. At work and in society, we clamber for status, competing with others, putting them down, showing them up, pushing them away, sometimes walking all over others just to get what we want. Even in family life, we want to control those we love the most, getting irritated when, we're not, when they're not just as we want them, annoyed when they inconvenience us, flying off the handle when our comfort is challenged. We simply can't handle power. And so like the Chandlers, we too are captives, not to pirates, but to our sin. We cannot stop ourselves. Try it for a week. Try it for a day. Try to be perfect. I can't do it, and if you're honest with yourself, nor can you. And when you've given up trying to be perfect, because it's impossible to do, try being the person that you think you should be. I can't do that either, and if you're honest with yourself, neither can you. 
And seeing that is bad enough. In fact, it was one of the big things that made me become a Christian, realising I couldn't be the person even I wanted to be. That's bad enough. But it all points to a bigger problem, to the ultimate problem. The truth is, we are so very different from Jesus, the one who has all authority, yet uses it to serve us. We are so different because we have no authority over him And yet we seem to want to sit in his place. Before I became a vicar, I used to work in the newspaper business. Like any other guy in his 20s, I had huge ambition. I wanted to climb the corporate ladder and the next rung on the ladder was my boss's job. I used to imagine having his job and his BMW and his office. His office was huge. From time to time, I imagined the sign on the door, Paul Williams, newspaper sales and promotions manager. It was a position with, in our company, power and authority. I wanted the job. Now, I never told him that. He was a scary boss and took no nonsense from any of us in his department, but I wanted his job. But one day, at the end of the day, when everyone except the cleaners had gone home, I had to drop a report onto the boss's desk so that he'd have it first thing in the morning. And I did so. I found myself with the opportunity to test drive his car, his chair. (laughs) And so I did. I sat down behind the desk and to be sure that I felt the part, I decided to pick up the phone and call a mate. And as the telephone rang, I put my feet up on the desk and at precisely the time my friend picked up the phone, my boss walked into the office. It was a horrible moment. And I said to him, why aren't you at home? On reflection, I realise now that I was in no position to be asking him questions, even though I was sitting in the boss's chair. And on reflection, I think it was about then that I decided that I should become a vicar. (laughs) Well, needless to say, it was a horrible moment. But if that was bad for me, and it was, can you imagine how bad it will be for you when one day you discover that there you are, bold as brass and as large as life, sitting in God's place, on God's throne, Realising that all your life you have lived your life your way, saying, I don't really care too much about what you say, God, I want to do it my way. And then when he walks in and you realise that all your life you've assumed his position, that's our problem. We want power, we want God's position, and that's why we need to be ransomed. And that's why Jesus dying as a ransom is so remarkable. The very one, the very sovereign ruler of the universe who we try to push off the throne loves us so much he will die for us to forgive us. He gave his life as a ransom. Listen again to the Queen's words in her Christmas Day speech. We heard it earlier. Although we're capable of great acts of kindness, history teaches us that sometimes we need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness or our greed. She continued, God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a saviour with the power to forgive. See, she understands it. We need a saviour. We need to be forgiven. At the Queen's coronation on June the 2nd, 1953, she was handed two scepters. 
At the first, she was handed, as, it, as the first was handed to her, the Archbishop of Canterbury said these words to her, receive the royal scepter, the sign of kingly power and justice. And then as he handed her the second, he said, receive the rod of equity and mercy. Be so merciful that you be not too remiss and so execute justice that you forget not mercy. In handling, her, in handing her those two scepters, he was saying, you have power and justice in your hands, use them wisely. Be just and merciful, not so merciful that you forget justice and not so out for justice that you forget mercy. That is what our God is like. For the queen's rule is meant to reflect his rule. He has all power and he's a God of justice and so he must punish sin. But even though he's a God of Justice and power. He's also a God of mercy and grace. No, he can't just let us off. That would not be just and right. But because he's so merciful and because he wants to satisfy his justice, he says, I'll take the punishment for you. So he pays the ransom price, not a ransom price of four million pounds, but something far more costly. He pays the price of his life dying on a cross so that justice is satisfied and mercy can be offered to you and me. And so when we turn to him in genuine repentance and faith, we can know forgiveness, which is a wonderful thing. As we come to a close, let me say that to know forgiveness means knowing that the past is wiped clean. It's a wonderful thing. But it's more than that. Some of you I know have met the Queen Some of you I know have been honoured by the Queen. One of her titles I mentioned earlier is the Fount of Honours. She writes to those who live to be 100. I saw one of those, well, not quite a telegram, but I saw one of those cards only a few weeks ago. Uh, She congratulates subjects on their diamond wedding anniversary. I saw one of those a few years ago. I can only imagine how proud a person must feel to be honoured in that way. Uh, to appear on the New Year's Honours List or the Queen's Birthday Honours List. Yet however wonderful that is, because of Jesus' ransom on the cross, Jesus can give us something even greater. The Queen can bestow upon you all sorts of honours. She can make you a lord or a baron or a knight, but she will never make you her child. She won't give you her inheritance. She won't adopt you into her family and take you home to the palace. That's not how it works. But with Jesus, because of his ransom, there's an honour that is out of this world. He can, and he does, invite us home. And that is where we find the meaning of our lives. Not simply to be honoured by Jesus, but to be adopted into his loving family. Both now and forever. It's something that the Queen articulated so beautifully in a Christmas message. She spoke of our need for Jesus, our need of forgiveness. And with her wonderful words, we'll end. Quote, although we are capable of great acts of kindness, history teaches us that we sometimes need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness or our greed. 
God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a saviour with the power to forgive. Forgiveness lies at the heart of the Christian faith. It can heal broken families, it can restore friendships, and it can reconcile divided communities. It is in forgiveness that we feel the power of God's love. In the last verse of this beautiful carol, O little town of Bethlehem, there's a prayer. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. The Queen said, it is my prayer that on this Christmas day we might all find room in our lives for the message of the angels and for the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. End of quote. So on this special day of celebration, we can honour our Queen by responding to her prayer from that Christmas Day message. By finding room in our lives for the God who served us by giving his life as a ransom for many. And so finding ourselves forgiven from the past and finding a bright future guaranteed to be spent for all eternity, adopted into God's family and inheriting everything he has to give us. And all because Jesus, the King of Kings, served us by giving his life as a ransom. Let's pray together. Our Father, as we thank you this day for our Queen and for her remarkable reign, as we thank you for her devotion to duty and to serving the people that you've put under her, We thank you too that she points to yourself, her king, the king of kings. And as she points to him, as we read of the Lord Jesus in your word, so wonderfully our God, we see a God who is like no other. We thank you for that ransom, that serving, that giving of his life that we might be forgiven. And we pray that for every one of us today, he would be our king. We would put him on the throne of our lives and turn from wanting to live our lives our own way. And so be sure of inheriting everything you have to give us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.